This is a reading from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 19 through 26. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means more fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in, in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. The word of the Lord. Amen, amen. Good morning, Edge City Church. How are you guys doing? Good morning. Thanks for uh, coming out, tracking through the snow this morning. I know what you're thinking. Who wants to go for that trophy? It's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to the uh, Super Bowl party. You guys don't know because I can eat those hot wings. It's going to be on. I'm looking forward to try to win that thing there. Um, so we are continuing our sermon series. Uh, it is uh, letters from the Roman jail, and today we're going to be diving into a brand new uh, uh, book. We're, we're starting the book of Philippians today. And so um, I'm excited to uh, start that book. So would you join me in a word of prayer and we will continue. Father God, we just come before you right now, Lord. Uh, we just pray that you will just have your way at this moment, Father. Um, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the ways that you have moved already during our time of worship. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that you will just have, uh, just move in a special way during these next few moments, Lord. Uh, I just hide myself behind the cross, Lord, that I will just absolutely get out of the way, God, and that you will just be seen and you will just speak, Lord. Um, give us ears to hear. We just thank you and praise you. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen, amen. So I'm going to get a little personal today. Um, I'm going to ask this question. And before I ask this question, I just want to say that this book, uh, Philippians, is a book that Paul is just writing, thanking the people, the Church of Philippi, for their generosity. This book is written around the year A.D. 60. Now, the personal question that I want to begin my sermon with today is, is this. It is, what is primary in your life? What is primary? What is the main thing? Now, if somebody were to ask you, what's the primary place of your identity? What is the primary thing that you are living for? What is the primary thing that you are hoping for? What would your answer be? Not, not just the right biblical answer, like, okay? Like, but if you could actually just have to evaluate your, your mind and what your thoughts, like what would be the answer in your life? And the reason that I ask that question is because culture is going to call us to live for things that the Bible is going to say is actually going to be small and foolish and uh, just fleeting. And so he's going to call it rubbish. 
But culture is going to say that these things are the primary things in your life and what it, and it needs to be you. It's all about you, right? Your comfort, your pleasure, your status, your relationships. Um, the, it needs to be your career. That's what it has to be. That's the thing that needs to be primary in your life. Make much of you, be successful, run from failure. That is the thing. And other parts of our culture are, are going to say, well, listen, it's, it's just all about family. It's all about family. Now, uh, we live on Long Island, New York, and uh, a lot of us have kids. Uh, many of us have lots of kids. Uh, but there's this structure here on Long Island, right, that it's all about, it's about family. And often we could just get so caught up into this narrative that says, Give your kids a better life than you have, right? Make sure that they go to the right school district. Make sure that they uh, go to the right kind of college so they can meet the right kind of people, so they can get married to the right kind of person. It is all about family. That is the thing that should impact everything else in our lives, and can I also say that we are also surrounded by a materialistic world, right? I mean, can we say that? It can be about the kind of clothes that you wear, the kind of car that you drive, the kind of neighborhood that you live in. It can be about the shiny toys that we have in our homes. And it can be about who has the most wins at the end. And that can be the primary pursuits of our lives. Others of us, I mean, some ladies, you could be like, you know what, the primary thing in my life is, you know, how good do I look in a bathing suit? Or fellas, uh, how good do I look in a bro tank in the summertime? Okay, that is primary in my life. I'm talking about mostly your sins, guys, not, not mine, not mine, but... But you see, I think there is a reality, right, that culture is trying to scream at us to invite us to pursue something as primary. And all of us in this room and those of us that are watching online as well, whether by default or by this active decision, uh, we are going to have that one primary thing that is going to impact all the other things in our life. So that one thing is going to impact, you know, the way that we have relationships with people, what we do with our money, the way that we speak our words, the, uh, how it's going to just impact what we do on social media. In every area of our life, there is this one thing that is going to go and trickle down and impact all the other things in our lives. And listen, church, I just want to say that, you know, I would love to tell you that I, you know, being a pastor, I am immune from this, like from drifting away from the primary thing, which I think you and I, we will all agree, it needs to be Jesus Christ, right? But I am definitely not immune to that. And I, I, you know, for me, I know the right biblical answer. I understand that what, you know, what Jesus has called me to do. I understand that Jesus is greater than everything else out there. But there is a part of my heart that is just like perpetually prone to drift from the primary thing, which is the person of Jesus Christ, and drift to other things. And so let me just kind of invite you into my world right now. Okay, so... I, I love people, 
right? I love people. I, I would like to say that I am a high-functioning introvert and a low-functioning extrovert, right? So I'm somewhere in the middle there. Um, and I generally like to be around people. You know, I love you all, and I hope you, you like me. But um, you see, in my world, what happens is when I walk into a social setting, right, my, my, my extrovert side just kind of cranks up. And then, like, I am under the assumption that me and the person that I am talking to, we're already good friends, like right in that conversation, right? I, I don't know how that is. Like, that's just how my brain is wired. And so it's, it's not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad desire to be friendly, to be social, to be accepted. It's a good thing, right? But here's the issue, though. The issue is when I elevate acceptance and social status above Jesus, and that right there is an issue. And so I end up being like this 44-year-old man that starts to live like an 8-year-old boy who is sad that I didn't get invited to somebody's birthday party, right? And it's like I get all insecure, like, you know, did that person just defriend me on Facebook? Like, what in the world just happened? I don't think that person likes me anymore. Like, what just happened over here? And you just get caught up in this perpetual cycle when something other than Jesus becomes primary in our lives. And what happens is a couple of things occur then. Number one, what happens is it is going to enslave us. And number two, it is going to erode our joy. And so I think, church, it's not just me that falls into it. I think we can all fall into this as well. We can elevate and make primary our kids, our friends, our job, our relationships, our, you know, our appearances, our, our bank accounts. I mean, the number that is on the scale, right? And we can elevate any of these things above Jesus Christ and make them primary, and it is going to cost us at the end because our hearts are just hardwired to worship Jesus. So the Bible this morning is going to be just really, really helpful for us. And it is going to say, uh, Christian, let's not live to be uh, for the trivial, for the small, for the shallow pursuits that are out there. But instead, uh, let's allow Jesus Christ to call us into the greatest joy that he would have for us. And so before I dive into the scripture today, I just want to kind of take a look at Paul's life. You see, the apostle Paul is a guy who had a lot, right? Because he wanted, and, and he, this man, he traded everything that he had for Jesus. He traded it all in because he wanted to, he wanted a life uh, with Jesus and he wanted a life for Jesus. And it's okay to go to this book in Philippians, right, and just look at our author here who uh, just was used by God to write this book. And Paul, in this book, he says that you can follow my example because I am following Christ's example. And he is someone that, you know, we should look at because Jesus was primary in this man's life. And that is what we, we are going to learn today. And so I only have two points for us today. And the two, number one, the first point is this. For the Christian, Jesus is our life. For the Christian, Jesus is our life. So 
if you are here today, you're watching online, and you are not a follower of Jesus, you don't know where your status is with, with God, you're, you're coming here and you're seeking, right? Um, I just want to say this might feel a little bit different for you, so just, just bear with me today. But if you are a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus and you're somebody that's here and you have said that, I have just given everything, my all to Jesus. Jesus is our life. If that is you, I think this message, this is going to definitely speak to you today. And so let's dive into our text. Um, Like I said, something in our life that is going to be primary, and I want to kind of show us how Paul begins to show us what is primary in his life. And so let's dive right in. Chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. It reads like this. As it is my eager expectation and hope, that I will not be all but all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. So I'm going to be talking about um, death in a moment here um, and just the gaining of it, but I don't know how that's going to kind of play out because all of a sudden, you know, the tension there is going to get a little serious. But um, before that, before I dive into that, I just want to uh, hone in on a few words here. And the words are, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. And so let me ask you this. Um, If you were to ask like 100 people, what is primary thing? What is the primary thing that they are living for? If you had to fill in the blank, to live is blank, right? If you had to fill in that sentence, some people, I don't know what they would say, but I think some people might say, you know what? To live is Chick-fil-A and like dip and the dipping sauce, right? Like maybe they might say that or others might say, you know what? To live is beauty or to, to live is laughter. To live is joy. It is friendship. It is my bestie, right? I mean, I have no idea what people would say to that, but if they will just fill in that sentence there. And the Apostle Paul, you, you see, he had every reason to just fill in this sentence with just with different words, different words. I mean, he, the Apostle Paul could have said to live is discipleship because he raised people up. I mean, this man trained up pastors, he could have easily said to live is knowledge because he, this man had the mind of Christ, right? He thought like Jesus. This man understood the word of God. But he said, no, no, no. He said, no, the thing that instructs everything else in my life is Christ. To live is to live for Jesus It has to impact just every area of my life. So let me say, uh, when you look at Paul's life, you just cannot make sense of his life without understanding who Jesus is. You just can't make sense of it, right? And one of the things that caught me just off guard when I was just just kind of figuring out uh, what this text means um, I just asked myself this question, and the question was like, how could Paul say to live as Christ? Right? Is, is it that simple for him? And how could this man go to that place? Here's how. 
You see, Paul was a guy who was just radically, he radically oppressed the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It was, that he, it was his goal in the early stages to kind of stomp out the work of the local church. And he wanted to put an end to the Christian movement. And he wanted to just oppress the name and the fame of Jesus Christ. And when Paul was just running away from God to just oppress the work of God, God graciously broke into this man's life and he spoke to him and he showed him grace and he showed him mercy. He forgave him of his sins and he made himself real to him and he allowed Paul to have spiritual eyes to see who Jesus Christ really is. And so Paul is a man who is just so transformed that he moves from a guy that hated Jesus to a guy that loves Jesus, and then he becomes a guy who is empowered with the Holy Spirit. And he started to just see Jesus lead him to literally lead thousands of people to Christ. And so this right here is a season of Paul's life where he says, to live. It is all about Jesus. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my savior. He is the one that is using me. My purpose in life is all about Jesus. And again, I just want to jump back in and I just want to say when I started to kind of zoom out of our text just for a second and I started thinking about Paul's story here, I mean, it is just impossible to make sense of this guy's story without the Jesus factor, the Jesus factor, because this guy has joy in the midst of suffering in ways that I just can't fathom. How does he have this joy in the midst of suffering? Like recently, we had some um, uh, Wi-Fi issues in this building, and uh, those of us on staff, we, you know, we work here throughout the week, and so, you know, it's just, just really super slow, and so, you know, every time I kind of open up my phone, there's just these little white rings of death that is there that says basically loading. And you're like, dude, it's been loading for a second and a half now. And I am just getting really angry right now. And so we're just like, I don't know, what, what are we going to do, right? We need, we need to move to another building. Like, I need to call somebody, get this thing done right now. Here's my credit card. Please, I don't know, just do something. Make my Wi-Fi work right now, please. Like, I have no joy. No joy without my Wi-Fi. And it is like Paul's in jail, and Paul sees people die. And Paul is like, oh, I'm happy and joyful in Jesus, right? And here I am, and I'm like, where's my Wi-Fi and my coffee? Like, what's going on here? And I mean, like, I can't understand what's going on with this man's life apart from Jesus. His life just looks so different because he encountered him. The way that he cares about the poor people now, the way that he is welcoming different backgrounds. And I think it becomes that he, it's because that he understands that when Paul was spiritually poor, it's when Jesus came in and made him eternally rich in Christ. And so now he has a heart for those people that just looks different than he does. You cannot explain this guy I mean, freedom from materialistic things. I mean, Paul later in this book, he says that I am content when I have a lot 
and I am content when I have a little. I mean, come on, guys. Like, for me, I've been broke, and I've been um, not broke, and, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I like being not broke a lot more, right? <laughs> right? You know what I mean? But this man... He is here and he's saying, man, it doesn't matter because my ultimate treasure is Jesus Christ. So it does not matter at all what this world gives me and what this world takes from me because Jesus Christ is my treasure. My treasure is in heaven and it is not in this world So I am not going to be controlled by the materialistic pursuits because that is not my God. And that right there is so incredible that this dude's life just does not make sense, right? Apart from Jesus, the way that this man loves people, the way that he just radically leverages everything in this life to be on mission for Jesus Christ, the the way that he pursues the lost, the, the way that he cares about the people of God, it just does not make sense unless you understand how he had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Edge City Church, I want to ask us this question. And the question is, if onlookers from this world looked at our lives today, would they say the same thing? Man, it just doesn't make sense. Does not make sense in the wisdom of this world. If somebody were to come in and investigate of what you did with your personal finances, would they look at you and would they say, you know, you know you can live in a better neighborhood, right? You could retire a little bit earlier. You know that, right? You know that you could send your kids to private school if you weren't so generous with your finances, right? I mean, tell me why you do this because it just does not make sense on paper, Maybe somebody would just look at your life the way that you pursue purity and you run away from sexual sin and someone would say, hey, what are you doing? Like, you're just missing out. And you would say, no, 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 like my body belongs to Jesus and so I am going to honor him and do not what this world celebrates, but what honors King Jesus. Maybe people are just taking inventory of the kind of people that you are inviting to your kitchen table uh, or into your community groups, and they are just shocked at the diversity that is there. And in a world so set up trying to work their way up the social ladder, that people would say, man, what are you doing? Like, why are you moving toward people, the people that just cannot offer you much? Why would you do that? Why would you live in such a way like that? And you'll be able to point to God who broke into your story when you had nothing to offer him. And I think Jesus gets a hold of your life, right? And he starts to just... Uh, move and shift the way that you look. And Jesus actually just reroutes everything, every area of your life. And I look at this man, the Apostle Paul, and I am just so encouraged by him. So point number one, 
for a Christian to live is Christ. To live is Christ. Point number two, it is for a follower of Jesus. Point number two is death is not the end. Death is not the end. So what I want to do right now is I just want to kind of shift gears a little bit and just kind of hit this big idea right now in the second half and because uh, it's kind of interwoven in this text. And I want to say that, you know, as, um, as followers of Jesus, I, I don't just think that Jesus impacts the way that we live. I think Jesus impacts the way that we look at death. So I think it kind of matters, and I want to just keep it real with all of us here because I think that there's a good chance um, that everyone in this room, those that are watching online, is going to die at some point. And I know I get it. Some of you guys are like, you know what, well, not me, Pastor Finn, because I drink seaweed shakes every single day. And I don't eat McDonald's, and I do lots of sit-ups. And so, listen, I'm excited for you. That's a good thing. But let me just press into that for a second. First of all, you have no idea what you're missing out on because McDonald's chicken nuggets is delicious, okay? And I'm going to take one. I'm going to eat one for you at the Super Bowl party today. So you can come out for that and some chicken wings. But second of all, you, you can't do enough sit-ups to extend your life. Your days are whatever the Lord gives you. And you can drink all the seaweed shakes and not eat McDonald's and drink water from Fiji and I guess like pay whatever, like $97 just on a bottle and, you know, just go or just drink regular water and be with Jesus sooner or just drink Long Island tap water and be with Jesus fast sooner than that. But, <laughs> but I think we actually have to just evaluate our lives and we have to understand that we are not going to live forever, right? You're young, but you are not going to live forever. Every single one of us has an expiration date on us. And I know it feels like a morbid topic, and you're like, ugh, like I just invited my friend today to church, and you're talking about death here, right? Like, I know, sorry. But the reality is this, though, that the Bible talks about death. It talks about dying in light of what Jesus and what he has done for us, because it changes everything. And so as the people of God, I don't just want us to be confident, confident just to live for Jesus, but I want us to have the confidence that what Jesus has said about death, because all of us are inching our way there. And so I want us to live in light of that because it is incredible, incredible good news for us. And so let me show us uh, verse 20 to 23. So let's read that together. It talks about how Paul can come to the end and Paul can say, to die is gain. To die is gain. It, it reads like this. Verse 20. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with you full of courage, now and always, that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. 
I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. That is far better. Can you do me a favor? Can you say far, far better? Far better, far better. You see, Paul is here. He's, he is in the Roman prison, and he understands that there is a really good possibility, possibility that he is going to be executed for his faith. And as followers of Jesus, we have to understand as well that, you know, um, we're going to be on the unpopular side of opinion, right, if we are not in there already, right, in society. Like the days of just being Christian and pop, be, that being popular in our country, like it helps you get a job, it helps you get into a, a school, like those days are probably gone, right? Being a follower of Jesus might actually cost you some friends. It's going to cost you some Facebook likes. It might be offensive to some people who don't understand the, the message of the cross. So we have to understand that, that although we might be afraid of losing some things, here is Paul. He's seen his friends get executed, and this is a very real option for him, and he is a person who is not angry at God. He's not mad at God, right? He's not saying, God, I served you all these years. How could you let this happen to me right now? Instead, his perspective is amazing. Let's read what it says. Verse 21, it says, to die is gain. Death is gain, guys. Death is gain. Like, this is an unreal statement right here. Like, who says stuff like that, right? Like, that is not a natural statement. If we were, if we were just honest, not many people in this room or watching online would view death as a net win. So, what are you, you going to do to win in 2022? Uh, I'm going to die. Right? Like, no, like, we don't say stuff like that, right? That is not the typical perspective that we have because we don't celebrate death. We tend to hold on to life. We don't take photos of tombstones. We take photos of our babies, right? Like, this is what our culture celebrates. But if you're a follower of Jesus, and we got to get this, we got to get this. If you are a follower of Jesus, death is not the final act, but simply a transition to be with King Jesus in just greater ways. And so as Christians, we believe to be absent from the flesh is to be present with Jesus and to experience a greater life and connectivity and intimacy with the Lord, with, with just our service and with our friend, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is, it is life and it is life to the full, to be in the presence of Jesus. And that's why in verse 23, Paul brings it back after he says to die is gain. And you look at him and you go like, hey, dude, like, don't you know that you're going to be missing out on some stuff if you say that? Don't you know that you're going to have to say bye to some things? And he presses into this verse here and he says, it is better, far better for me to depart. 
This man, he understands that the greatest joy, that the greatest life, his greatest life, his greatest freedom is is going to be found on the other side of eternity, but it is going to be found when he is there at the feet of Jesus Christ. And this man, he cannot wait to get there. And I want to pause here for a a moment here because, listen, this is a real person a person that lived. This man, he was just radically transformed by Jesus. And this guy, he moves from being a dude who didn't like Jesus and he oppressed Jesus to be a person who has experienced Jesus and was filled with the spirit of Jesus. And now this man, he is saying, Jesus, you can have my life and Jesus, you can have my death. It is incredible to see what God has done in this man. And if you read these verses, you're going to see that there is so much freedom in that, right? There is so much freedom in Paul because Paul is not afraid of anything. He's not scared. What, what, what are you going to do? You're going to you know, stop following me on Instagram? He don't care, right? What are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to go and kill me? Psh, he don't care. He's not scared of that. I'm not afraid of that. I mean, this man, he is incredibly free from it. This man, he doesn't have money. He doesn't have status. He is in jail right now, and yet he got this freedom that many of us will never, ever experience. He is not afraid of death. This world can't take anything from this man. Can I just ask you to imagine with me, okay? Imagine with me. Imagine being a Roman official tasked with the job of silencing Paul. Do you know how annoying and frustrated you would be, (laughs) like, if that would be your job right there, right? Paul would just be hyper annoying to you, right? You know why? Here's why. You could beat Paul. You could jump him. You could whip him. You could, you know, hit him. You can slap him. You know what he's going to do? He's going to thank you. He's going to thank God that he is worthy of suffering like Jesus. Hey, man, he's going to be like, hey, I want to be more like Christ because Christ suffered. So why don't you bring it on? Bring it on. I am so game for this. That is this man. You can put this man in jail, but what is he going to do? You think he's going to get scared? No, this man is going to lead all of your guards to Jesus, right? These guys are going to be walking around singing, Jesus loves me, right? And you're going to be like, what in the world just happened right here? You cannot stop this. You can let this man out of jail, right? You can, you know, just try to stop him from leading the entire Roman guard to Christ and he can go on vacation or something, but he's not going to do that. He's not going to go on vacation because you know what he's going to do? He's going to start another missionary journey right there. Right? He's going to proclaim Christ, and he is going to make Jesus big. This man is not going to stop. You can try to kill him. You can try to execute him, literally murder him for his faith, and he'll be saying, to die is gain, bro. To die is gain. And you're like, like what in the world are you saying? I am right here. I'm trying to murder you. Why are you so happy right now? This is not how I kind of vision this playing out. This man is untouchable. 
This man is so free because he is so excited about Jesus. Now, let me tell you why Paul can talk like this. Why he can say, to die is gain. Because he's not insecure about it, right? Because Paul has this confidence that actually Jesus Christ rose from the grave and that he has promised to raise you and I from the grave as well. And he understands that the power of God uh, opened the doors of Jesus's tomb and that tomb could not hold Jesus down. Jesus has promised to raise us from the grave and so we can experience eternity with him. And one of the amazing truths of the Bible is, and I love this little picture here, of when at the very end of the Gospels, when uh, Jesus is hanging on the cross and he has a criminal right next to him. And does anybody remember what, how that conversation went? Um, all of a sudden, Jesus turns to him and Jesus looks at him after he places his faith in Jesus and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. This guy who had no way to earn grace, no way to earn the love and the acceptance of Jesus Christ. Did this criminal, did this man go to church? No. Did this man clean up his life? No. Did this man study Bible verses? No. Like he has done nothing but to experience faith. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Followers of Jesus, one of the most profound gifts of the gospel is that Jesus gives us a peace and a hope and a confidence, not just when we live, but when we die. That on that last day, you will not be downcast, you will not be defeated, but on that last day, you will see that your death is not the final breakup call of life but it is transitioning into something greater. I mean, come on, guys. Like, how incredible is that? Like, who in the world says stuff like that? That right there is an incredible gift, and that is based on Jesus' generosity toward us. And I'm going to end in a moment here. And before I invite the worship team to come up, I just want to just share this little diagram here. So it has uh, two fill-in-the-blanks. And so if we could put, put that up right here. And the two fill-in-the-blanks here. It says, to live is blank and to die is blank. So here's the deal, okay? Um, now, I want, you, I want you to just think, if you want to write something in, you can do it, um, or you can just think it in your mind right now. But I want you to fill, fill, fill something there. If you had to just really just be honest with yourself, just what you live for week by week, every week. What is the one primary thing in your life? Right? So is it, um, is, is it your bank account? Is it your relationship status? Is it your GPA? Is it your family? Whatever it is, if you could just fill in the blank right there. To live is blank. The second part is, um, I'm going to go to the next slide there. To, to live is blank and to die is loss. Okay, so it's either going to be to gain or to lose. So if you had anything else other than Christ, then death is going to be a loss. 
So here's what I mean by that. So if you have made your primary pursuit, uh, the primary thing that you are after, uh, financial wealth or just comfort, then you're just going to be really frustrated when you don't take that, that bank account, that checkbook with you. Because guess what? It's not going to be yours in 100 years. If, you're, if you have made your primary pursuit your career, and um, you know, the title that is on your business card, guess what? When you die, nobody in heaven is going to care that you made partner at 40, right? You're, you're not going to be showing people your business card there, right? That little honor, that little just status symbol, it stays right here, right? It doesn't matter in eternity. It doesn't matter at all. You made your life maybe about your kids, and you're just like, it's all about my kids' careers. It's about their life. You know, when I set them up for amazing things, the next thing in their life. And that's awesome because, you know, I love my kids, and I want to see my kids thrive, and I want to see them flourish. But the reality is that you can be a great parent who loves your kids, who invests in your kids, And the Bible actually is really sobering because you know what the Bible says? The Bible says two, three generations later, you will be completely forgotten by your own family. Four generations down the line, nobody's going to be sitting around the Christmas tree telling stories about relatives saying, you know what? Four generations ago, uh, your great, 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 great grandpa Finn, uh, let me tell you some things about him, right? Like, no, that's probably not going to be happening. Nobody's going to be talking about me. And so to live for those things is probably going to be lost. It's going to stay here. And it's going to mean, it's going to mean death to the things that you put your hope in your trust in, your worth in, your value, and your significance in. And so the last one here that I want to put up is this. It is, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. And if you are here and you're saying, you know what, I live for Christ, I love to hear his voice, I want to experience more of his presence, he is the thing that I long for, he is my identity, my motivation is to make more of Jesus. If that is your posture, then death is gain. Then death is gain. Because you're finally going to see Jesus face to face. And you're finally going to hear his voice and all of his beauty and his brilliance. And you're finally going to see his light for what he is. And you're going to be finally free from the sin that has kept you just captivated on this side of eternity. And you'll be able to just worship him with no distractions. There is going to be no more mental illness, no wheelchairs, No brokenness, no racism, no poverty, no more tears. Just to be with Jesus, to be away from injustice and sin and all the effects of sin, to be with Jesus is better. It's better. And to live 
for Jesus. And you can finally say, to die is gain. And there is an incredible freedom in that right there. And so Edge City Church and those watching online, here's my only encouragement today, my only challenge for you, and it's listen, listen up if you can lean in here. It is nobody's going to care in a thousand years how much money you make. Nobody's going to care what neighborhood you lived in. Nobody's going to care what college your kids went to. It just doesn't matter. And so I want us to say, you know what, that we are people of God. Would we evaluate who Jesus is and how he has called us to live? And would we live for stuff that is actually eternally significant? And so like this week, you're going you're gonna to be living for something, right? Something is going to be primary in your life. Something is going to motivate you. Something is going to be your identity. And so I want to invite you this week, what would it look like if King Jesus was Lord in every area of your life? And we just said, no, no, like this week, Jesus, I know that I've been putting you off. I know I have been. But Lord, I want to live for you. And so help me to do that starting today. And so as I invite the worship team to come forward, and I just want to invite us to close our eyes and to bow our head as well, because there's this reality that Jesus Christ is good news. And I want us to reflect on this, right? Like pointing our love and our, our affections to Jesus. Because if I'm calling you to live for Christ, I want to let you know that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, isn't that you get to live for him, but that Jesus lived perfectly for you. Before you ever did anything for Jesus, he came and he lived the perfect life, the life that you could never live. And before I ever talk to you about how Jesus changed everything by the way that we looked at his death, Jesus, he died on the cross for you and I. And so the hero of Christianity isn't that we get to live for him. The hero of Christianity and the reason why we live for him is that he first lived for us and that he loved us so deeply. So, Lord, I just want to thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for this reality, Lord, that you changed everything, God. That, Jesus, you transformed me, that you transformed many in this room. Lord, you changed us, God. And, Lord, I just want to pray for some specific people that are listening to my voice right now. And, Lord, there might be some people right now that are hearing my voice that have drifted from making you primary their life is not Christ. They know the right answer, but they have not lived for you, for you, Lord, in such a long time. And so, God, would you forgive all of us, Lord? Forgive us, God, for living for the small things, 
for living for the lesser things. God, it is foolish, Lord. And those things strips our joy. It just limits our worship. And God, it is sinful. And so God, would you just focus our heart once again on you, the one who loves us, the one who forgives us, the one who has adopted us, and the one who is just wild about us. God, would you stir our affections once more for you and help us to make the primary pursuit you and to live for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.